Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ballistic Podcast, live from Cupertino, California, as usual. But this time we're in Guru's house, so we've completed the trifecta. We've been in my house, in Jeff's house, and in Guru's house. Glad to have you guys here. This is pretty awesome. Yeah, I like your house. Thank you. It's uh, very spacious. A lot of statues and ornaments. Jeff, you have anything to say? It's a great clean environment. Um, yeah, it's definitely one of the, the best places we've recorded at. Yeah, um, but better than your basement, right? Guru, what do you think? I don't know, man. I, I always thought that Jeff's basement was a little more homely than this. This, <laughs> okay. this is good. This is good, though. I mean, yeah. Anyways, uh, I'm your co-host, Varun. You just heard from Jeff and Guru. And let's get started on another episode of the Ballistic Podcast. We have some more NBA material for you today. We're going to start with a rapid roundup as usual. Then we're going to go into the second round of the NBA playoffs. Some new teams in. So let's see how they do. And then we're going to finish off with the post-mortem series as usual. So, uh, rapid roundup. Roundup, sorry, Jeff. Rapid roundup with Jeff. Jeff, take it away. All right, all right. This week in rapid roundup. Uh, so, starting off, we have Steve Kerr is potentially out for the rest of the playoffs due to problems standing, stemming from his back surgery a few years ago. Um, does this affect hit the Warriors' chances of winning a championship. I, I really don't think so. I think Mike Brown was brought in for a reason to bring that sort of championship experience to the table as an assistant coach. I wish Kerr all the best in his recovery, though. That's really sad. Whoever they face in the next series, Jazz or Clippers, it's not going to affect them. But if they face the Spurs in the conference finals, or if they face the Cavs in the finals, Kerr's adjustments will be needed there, and it will be trouble. But then again, the Warriors are a very good team. So for now, for now, they're in good shape. Well, yeah, I also think that they're in good hands because of Mike Brown has that championship experience. He didn't win, but at least he's been there before, and I'm confident in his ability. All right, moving on. This week, Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour passed on endorsement for Lonzo Ball, largely because of LeVar Ball's demands. Ha! including licensing his big bowler brand and asking for a $1 billion figure for a 10-year contract to sign a package deal of Lonzo Ball and two other of LeVar's sons. So the question is, with this huge gaffe or goof, do you think LeVar Ball should step aside and let Lonzo hire a real agent? I don't know. I actually think this is a pretty smart move from LeVar Ball. I think, but he is really depending on Lonzo to be good. If Lonzo becomes good and he becomes a household name, then those three companies will have no choice but to do so. 
Listen, this guy is assuming that Lonzo Ball is next to Michael Jordan or LeBron James where everybody's coming to them, right? That's not the case yet. He's, you know, he's still a prospect. In my opinion, LeVar Ball, let your son succeed. Stop hampering his success. It is interesting though. It is an interesting thing. But for now, I think he has to step aside. I think $1 billion is ridiculous. But, you know, we'll see. If Lonzo becomes the next Jordan, you know, that could happen. Anyways, moving on. Larry Bird has stepped down as his position of president of basketball operations for the Pacers. This is this is an end to a notable career as he won executive of the year a few years ago. And he was uh, had a great basketball career in terms of being a three times MVP and having success in the coaching realm too as coach of the year. Um, him stepping down is largely due to because he's unable to see Paul George or keep Paul George on his team. Um, so Paul George will probably, like, has been rumored to wanting to go to the Lakers or somewhere mm. like that. <laughs> so do you guys, where do you guys think Paul George will end up? I think he'll end up wherever the best trade offer is at. I think Kevin Pritchard's coming in. He's been known to be a fan of rebuilding, and I think that's what the Pacers need to do. I, I'm just going to assume he hits free agency because the trade is very tough to tell. If he hits free agency, I think the Heat are a very intriguing team. A winning culture, they got some good players there. I think it would be a nice fit. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. if Whether if it's his, the things, the rumors about his camp wanting him to go to LA is true, um, that could really affect what happens, uh, what moves the GM will do in the future. Uh, moving on, how many threes Three-point shot fouls have you guys seen in this? Way too playoff? many. Oh my god, so frustrating. Sick of it. Seriously. Sick of it. Yeah, this this these playoffs you see players chucking off these threes that they would normally not attempt and definitely not in their national shooting motion and getting those fouls drawn. Do you guys think this is bad for the league? No doubt about it. It's so annoying to watch. And now all the best players are doing it too. That's what really sucks. I really hate it. I don't have a solution to solve it yet. I haven't really thought much about it, but all I can say is it's not good for the NBA playoffs. My dad actually brought this up and he actually had a solution. I don't know if it's feasible or not where the person who shot the three would have to shoot the three from the exact same spot to get the three points. But I, I know that's not, <laughs> that's, that's, not <laughs> that's interesting. I know that's not feasible and uh, but that's actually it's an annoying. interesting solution. It's, it's interesting, but I don't know if it's feasible or not, and I really uh, don't think there's a solution to this. I think the league is sort of doomed. In this They're doomed? In this really? respect. In this respect? I'm sure they'll find a way, whether it's just not calling the stupid fouls like that aren't natural motion. Yeah. Like, you see someone stick their arm out, you can't just move your arm awkwardly and try to hit their arm. James just, Harden all the time. Or exactly. not calling them shooting fouls, I think. Yeah, well... Anyways, speaking of being bad for the league, have you guys seen the Bulls fans calling for Hoiberg to be fired? That was so low class. Seriously, but so w with that, the Bulls have been having a lot of problems in terms of front office, you know, coaching and direction of the team in general. Um, what do you guys think the Bulls need to change the most? I think the Bulls need to change their entire front office. They built their team with the foresight of a goldfish. I think they need to really like look at how they're building their team and build for the future because apparently the present isn't working. I agree. No uh, complaints. I mean, no disagreement there. The front office has been pretty terrible the last two, three years. And they give Fred Hoiberg, who is a fast-paced coach, uh, a bunch of players who play half-court. So it wasn't a great fit from the beginning. I think they need to do something about the front office. 
or they need to bring in the right coach for the players. Well, yeah, I agree. I think Hoiberg actually himself isn't that bad of a coach, and he's he just not. needs a chance. Yeah, with the real like front office to back him up. He was given the wrong players. I mean, he can't run his system with the right uh, with those players right there right now. I agree. All right. Well, that ends this week's rapid roundup. I hope to see you guys again next week. All right. You're still here, Jeff. Next week with this same segment. Okay. And I don't okay. think they can see you through the podcast. hope to have you guys back again next week alright thank you guys awesome getting better and better okay so without further ado let's get to the playoffs guys so really exciting postseason to start with quick roundup recap round one recap with you guys Uh, what did you guys think Uh, okay I have to open my notebook so three LeBron James notebook three interesting things we each thought what what do you have what do you have Varun okay um, All right. The thing I like the most, John Wall. What a player. What a superstar he was in that Wizards-Hawks series. Just let me give you the stat line. He averaged almost 30 points, almost 11 assists, shot 52% from the floor, 48% on three points, three-pointers. That's incredible for a point guard like John Wall, who's not a natural three-point shooter, and almost two steals in the whole series. That's an incredible stat line, and he closed the game when he needed to. I mean, game six, I don't know. Uh, did you guys see game six? But that fourth quarter, man. I mean, the Hawks made a run. They were they were down by three. Schroeder was about to have an open layup. Wall came out of nowhere and blocked him. And that ended any hopes of a comeback. And then Wall took over and he won the, the game for them and the series. That was so remarkable to watch. But that was the thing I liked the most. I also liked the Raptors-Bucks series. It was old school. It was physical defense defensive oriented i loved seeing that love seeing that old school play and the thing i disliked the most the hawks i mean you guys got to close out the you know you guys got to close out the fourth quarter you know in the in the four games that they lost they they were so close they could have closed out every game they could have won the series actually but they failed to close out fourth quarters in the games that they lost every game was so close till the end and players like Kent Bazemore, those idiots like Bazemore who turned the ball over like three times in the last three minutes or something, <laughs> took stupid shots, made stupid plays. This is how the bad teams lose. They make stupid plays in the fourth quarter. They feel the pressure. But anyways, enough about the Hawks. So what about you guys? What were the things you liked, liked disliked? Yeah. I did two things liked and one thing disliked. Okay. Well, i just like to point out, um, this is not one of my part of my likes or dislikes, but uh, the... The point guard that played against John Wall, Dennis Schroeder, he actually had a really good series. He did. Points, he did. He did. Seven. That was upside assists. for the Hawks. Yeah, that was really surprising. I, I didn't really think he'd be this good, but in the playoffs, he's, he's really stepped up. Um, well, going back, uh, three interesting things. First is Rondo's resurgence. Uh, the last time Rondo was in the playoffs against the Mavs, he quit on his team. The coach benched him for the rest of the series. It was a really bad look for him. But this year uh with with the balls he's actually been talked about a lot as huge impact he's averaging almost a triple double in those two games and every day in the news is about like when's rondo coming back he's the difference maker and without rondo they didn't really have a reasonable backup i think the stat was they only had around two assists per game yeah isaiah canon <laughs> or canon canon yeah. yeah and michael carter williams which, yeah who couldn't play and they even tra- they even had cameron Payne, right 
Yeah, they yeah. even had Cameron. What, happened? what <laughs> happened there? Like, why was he was in a suit the entire series? Why why did he get any playing time? Was he injured? I I actually don't know. Was he injured? That Cause... series made Sam Hinkie look like a genius. Yeah, for trading Michael Carter Williams. Sure. Anyways, continue. Sure. I think he just sucks. That's that's what it was. <laughs> Uh, another point guard in the West was CP3. He he took this team and carried them on his back to Game 7. He's been averaging 27.5 points, 10 assists, and shooting 53% from field goal and 42% from three. He's, he's been playing amazing and probably the only reason why they're even still alive right now. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing is also another point guard, Russell Westbrook. Um, after watching that last series, it was... Pretty painful to watch him, you know, take up so take so a record amount of shots and just not getting enough help. It just was really uncomfortable to watch him like gasping for air and like being the only guy trying to make a play because his team's just he needs a better team. So a that, lot of bad shots. Yeah, but I mean he didn't have a choice. That's yeah. how they they got there because of him. Doesn't have right. shooters around him. Exactly. Yeah. All right, those are my three things. What about you, Guru? All right. So the first thing that I liked was. The Warriors' defense. We all knew that the Warriors coming into the season would have this unstoppable offense. But the defense is something that I've been really looking at as something that they could improve. And they have really turned it on as of late. In the playoffs, they've averaged 10.3 blocks a game and 8.3 steals a game. That leads the NBA by a mile. And if you're not able to score on the Warriors and they're able to score on you, that pretty Uh much equates to a lot of wins. In the postseason for the Warriors, so a lot of blowout wins too. Yes, and I'm I'm really excited about that team being a fan as well. So, and another thing that I really liked about these playoffs is the notable quotes during press conferences. I really thought that they added some juice to the playoffs, some juices to the respective series, and uh, gave us some storylines to talk about. I think I think that really is what made this playoffs this first round really good. And the thing that I didn't like though about the, about these playoffs is the injuries. A lot of injuries to very impact players. Talk about Rudy Gobert, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, Rajon Rondo. A lot of impact injuries to impact players who were playing in series where they were needed. And I thought that if they were healthy, that would catapult catapult those series to another level. And that's just really how I feel about these playoffs so far. Um, And again, really sad injuries. Yeah, I, I think round one in general was not... Well, I think it was what we expected. We didn't expect it to be that great. I mean, we thought for the most part it would be pretty boring. I mean, the the Clippers-Jazz series, though, has been pretty darn good. Actually, speaking of Clippers-Jazz, game seven is tomorrow. Uh, who do you guys take? Clippers-Jazz. Well, I had Clips in seven in the beginning, but uh, this series is way different from what we, we when we predicted it with all these injuries with Blake Griffin and Gobert. But... The way Chris Paul has been playing recently, I, I saw him like single-handedly to get his team back uh, or win Game Six, and I think you know it's gonna look that way at home for sure. With their the biggest fan, Steve Ballmer, so I, I see Clips in Seven again. <laughs> Steve Ballmer, oh man. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I was really impressed with Chris Paul's defense in Game Six, just biting on getting into the passing lane, getting a lot of steals, and getting a lot of fast break opportunities for a team that was really struggling offensively. I think the Jazz really struggled offensively in Game 6. I think they turn it back around Game 7 and win Game 7 on the road. Ooh, okay. By the way, Steve Ballmer, I think that's how all fans need to be. I love that excitement about him. But a little too much. little too much. Not at all. I love it. But 
uh, this is a really tough actually this is a really tough game I don't, i'm not even too sure myself game seven in la no blake griffin Ru is rudy gobert is he still going to play he he rolled his ankle last game so there's he's going to play but he's not going to be 100 percent okay. for sure okay yeah this is really tough i'm just making my prediction on the spot but i'm going to stick with the clippers i said clippers in six i'll i think chris paul was enough to carry them in one game if it's one game i think chris paul can do it i mean next series though against the warriors i, <laughs> I don't know about that but i think chris paul can carry them to the next round so clippers yeah so and, and i guess very quickly let's talk warriors against the jazz or the clippers how do you see uh that series going uh okay if they face the jazz i think because the jazz are so defensive oriented the jazz can take two games against the Warriors, in my opinion. I would say Warriors in six against the Jazz. Against the Clippers, I mean, no Blake Griffin. That's a huge uh, injury right there. I want to say sweet, but I'll give the Clippers one game in that instance. Jeff? Um, I don't think both of these teams are, are good. Based on their regular season record, they, they don't really have much of a chance. And I think I mean, Warriors are, are finding their groove. I think uh, Kevin are, Durant yeah. needs, obviously, some more time to be back 100%. We couldn't really tell because they, they blew out the, the Blazers last game. But I think it's a sweep either way. That's what I think. I think the Warriors are just way too dominant for these two teams. What about I, you, Gru? I think that if it's the Jazz, then I give the Jazz one game in the series. And if it's the Clippers, it's a sweep. I just think the Warriors play the Clippers different than any other team based on that rivalry. They don't like each other. So that's, that's how I think. So let's go on to the next second round series, guys. Uh, San Antonio Spurs, Houston Rockets. So, as we all know, the Rockets are coming off beating OKC in five games, and the Spurs beat Memphis in six games. Uh, Kawhi Leonard had a huge series for the Spurs. Even in games that they'd lost, you saw Kawhi Leonard take that next step to be towards becoming a superstar. But LaMarcus Aldridge didn't. He And I have a feeling it's more due to Zach Randolph than uh, LaMarcus Aldridge's poor playoff performances, but I guess we'll see in this series. But the Rockets, even though they won in five games, they had a bad series as well. They only shot 28.4% from three. And if that were to happen again, I don't think they would have much luck against the Spurs. So, uh, and another point I want to make, Tony Parker. When he plays well, the Spurs usually win. So what do you guys think about this series? Okay. Uh, I think you you mentioned that the, the Rockets didn't play all that great. Even though they won in five, you know, they actually... They, I think aside from game one, every other game, game was super close. Went down to the end of the fourth quarter. Rockets could have easily lost the series. I mean, if you think about it, if Westbrook didn't have his little fourth quarter moments or if he had some better teammates, they could have gone the other way easily. I think the key here is, though, that the Spurs didn't play that well either, though, against the Grizzlies. I mean, they should have played a lot better, in my opinion. Aldridge, you talked about Aldridge. Monty Ginobili didn't score until, Ginobili, yeah, until, until game, game five, five or game six. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Aldridge did not play very well at all either. So these are two teams who I think have uh, um, underachieved going to the second round. So that's going to be a concern. Now the Spurs, they struggle against guarding the Rockets pick and roll and the Rockets love the pick and roll. That's going to be an issue for the Spurs. But that's only if Harden plays well. He did not play very well in the last series. I think the Spurs still win. I'd give them, um, I'd say Spurs in six. I give the Rockets two games mainly because of their pick and roll. I think Harden has a couple of good shooting games, but I think Harden, for the most part, has struggled, and I don't know if he's going to you know, play well in the second round. We'll see. The Spurs have a good defense, so I'm going to say Spurs in six. Jeff? Oh, that, you made a good point, but yeah, Harden, I think, was 
a little injured first round. He wasn't, obviously wasn't 100%. He was shooting horribly from the field and three. Um, but yeah, you said the Rockets will excel at pick and roll. And I the, the Spurs bigs are really slow and old for the most part. And I think that's the biggest reason why they struggle on pick and roll because the, their big guys aren't able to keep up with the, the James Hardens of, or whatnot. And another interesting fact is that when Kawhi Leonard has guard, guarded James Harden, which is going to be the biggest matchup, um, James Harden has, has made 49% of his field goals, which is really surprising. That's higher than his average. Um, and I think that'll be a key, key matchup. If he does shoot like 49, like he did regular season, I think this, the, the Rockets will have a pretty easy time. Um, and yeah, because of that, I think the Spurs are just too, a little bit too old in the, in the big, you know, the bigs department. And I think the the Rockets win in, I had in six, uh, six yeah. Six. Okay, wow, yeah. interesting. You know, Hart only shot 20, 21% from the three-point line first, first in round. the first round. That was pretty yeah. bad. That's going to gotta go up quite a bit. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to get better from what, he, like, health-wise from okay. what he was first round. I think the Spurs can take a lesson from how OKC guarded the Rockets. They really wore them out through the first three quarters. It was just during that fourth quarter that Westbrook, the, was, just too West, tired. Westbrook was just too tired and the Rockets just took over the game by default. But... I just think that the Spurs experience really uh, put, puts them over the top, and I also got Spurs in six. Okay, well. wow. so this and is they, where we differ. Yeah, yeah. So, but hey, if Tony Parker doesn't play well, um, this Rockets could very well take this series. Wait, why six though? Because six would mean they have to win away. They have to win at the Rocks, Rockets home. I think yeah, they can. Which they can. They can. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Playing on the road is not a problem for the Spurs. I don't think so. Okay. Okay. So uh, on to the next series. The Wizards and the Celtics. Yeah. The series we've all been anticipating. Have we? Well, <laughs> I did. I don't know about you guys, but I did. I mean, you, you, were, you were the I one mean, who brought this up the, a I couple mean, episodes ago. I, well, we have been anticipating the fact that all the drama that's happened with the Wizards wearing all black that one game. I think that, that was like the most hyped up you know, game for the regular season. And I think team. that's a really good per- precursor to how the playoffs are going to be. I, I really think so. But I just think, you know, any other West, any other East matchup that's not about the Cavs is not that important. That's just the way I see it. But okay. Anyways, moving on. Right. Well, wait, what? Wait, 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 what? You just, I, just, I said as the Cavs are going to win the East no matter what. Okay. So any other, so any other matchup, matchup is not that important. That's okay, not okay. the Cavs, okay. not that important. Okay. But for now, we're looking at the Cavs, sorry, the Celtics and the Wizards, guys. So <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go. Let's look at that series. As Varun brought up, John Wall is playing like an MVP of the playoffs so far with just brilliant stats and just really brilliant playing in general. And uh, it really looked like the Celtics weren't going to make it to this point after dropping two games against the Bulls, but they really turned it around. Won that series in six games. And uh, made a lineup change. So that's where the coaching comes into play. Um, I guess my question is, who has the edge in this series? Uh, Varun, want to give your input? Yeah, John Wall was great. But the Celtics finally found their identity. Uh, Game six, they played like themselves. Great defense, great three-point shooting. And I think they finally are starting to get back into their regular season form. That's what I really like about Boston. You think their defense got better? Their defense got better. So I think the Celtics are actually going to the series with momentum. The Wizards, surprisingly or unsurprisingly, uh, I felt like they could have played a lot better against the Hawks. And I think that's important. I mean, John Wall obviously played well. Markeith Morris had to play. He has to play better. He has got to play a lot better. 
he had a couple of good games, but I, he didn't have a very good series against the Hawks. I think the key here is, though, the Celtics bench against the Wizards bench. I think that's the X factor. Whichever bench plays better is the team that wins. So I think, I think the Celtics bench will play better. I think the Celtics win the series. Celtics in seven. That's the X factor for me. Interesting. Okay. I didn't expect any other prediction from you. <laughs> hey, no, I see. I would have said Wizards if because I felt I feel like the Wizards as a team have not played very well. You know, John Wall no doubt has been tremendous. Bradley Beal had a great game six, but Bradley Beal hasn't been that consistent either in the in the series against the Hawks. He do you a, think? Do you think if Rondo comes back or if Rondo doesn't well, get injured at all, do you think the Celtics? The do, yeah, do you think the Celtics would have still won that series? Given how that's, they played. See, that's tough. Because, in that four-game uh, four winning streak. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, uh, the problem is that the Celtics didn't really find their groove until late. And by if Rondo played the whole series, I don't know if the Celtics would have found their groove on time. So I'm not going to go into whether they, you know, they would have won or lost. But let's just say, you know, they're here. Who cares? I'll give you credit. They played very well in Game 6. Jeff? Uh, my predictions? Uh, well... I think the X factor would be rebounding. Celtics have been historic, known this season as really bad rebounders, and I think the Wizards will take advantage of that. They had the highest uh, rebounding, offensive rebounding percentage against the Celtics, and they also had the highest, uh, highest uh, second chance points against the Celtics. So I think that'll be a huge factor, um, especially since the Celtics lack a big, so that they actually went small last series. But I yeah. don't think this will work as well against the Wizards and regarding Bradley Beal he's been playing pretty well and I think he's definitely taking that step to he has be to be more consistent he's play, consistent. he plays well when yeah. he plays well but he's got to he got he's got to do that more often true but I think I think he that last round he's gonna up his three-point percentage he only shot 26 percent last round that should be a you know in the in the high 30s maybe 40 but uh, if you did do that, I, I say Wizards and Six. They got good defenders, the Celtics. Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart. They got some good defenders to put on uh, Bradley Beal. And John Wall? John Wall, I mean, I know I understand Isaiah Thomas is not a great defender. Yeah. But they've masked that so far. They did mask it in the season. And I think they'll mask it in the series. John Wall will definitely take advantage of it. He'll milk that matchup, no doubt. Right. But I think the Celtics can do enough to win. I actually think that Boyan Bogdanovich is an X factor in this series just because of his ability to shoot the three and ability to stretch the defense for the Celtics, as you as you mentioned before. And um, I actually got the Wizards in seven. I think, seven. yeah, I actually think they, um, they they pull out the series just based on their star power and based on how Boston performed in the previous series. I think if everything goes the way I think it does, I think that's going to be the result. So... Let's go on to the next series. Wait, did, Jeff, did you give your prediction? Yeah, I said uh, the Wizards in six. Okay, so we got Celtics, Celltics in seven, seven, and you guys said Wizards. All yeah, right, yeah, so this is another round where we differ. Yeah, right, but this, 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 I like it. this series, this matchup doesn't really feel like a one versus four because the Celtics... Yeah, it doesn't. They're so close. It's more like two versus yeah. three. Yeah, yeah, for exactly. sure. Yeah. This was like one of the weakest first yeah. uh, seeds. They're not a very strong a number one seed. Time, yeah. yeah, so yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be, it's a really close match, though. I say Washington. The East in general is very weak. And so. this upcoming series that I'm about, I'm about to talk about looks more like a 1-4 matchup. The Cavs and the Raptors. Uh, we all know what the Cavs did in the first round. No surprise there. They went on, went on to sweep the Pacers. The Raptors, however, they were really reeling against the Bucks, And there was it was a possibility that the Bucks would actually go on to beat the Raptors. But the Raptors made that lineup change. Thank you, Dwayne Casey, 
for finally playing Norman Powell. <laughs> he he made a difference in that series, and that's really what pushed the Raptors over the top. I felt so. I guess what my question is is, what are the Raptors' chances of winning this series realistically? We all know Demar Derozan really turned it on. If Kyle Lowry turns it on, if Serge Ibaka steps up and be, becomes a leader, what are their chances? Uh, pretty bleak. <laughs> Even um, well, first of all, Lowry needs to show up. Like, where is that guy? He's averaging fourteen point three points. And shooting abysmal 28% from three it's, and 42% from the field. I, I, I said in, with my round one predictions that he needs time to get back you know, from his injury. But it needs to be sooner now that you're facing the Cavs. He needs to up that by double. He needs, to, he needs to average what he did in the regular season in the high 20s. And for them to even have a chance. So, But you know, even if he does that, I don't see them beating them. I would say that the Cavs would still win in five. Raps take one game at home. Um, I think we were all surprised based on last year's matchup when they actually won two games at home, right? But I think, uh, I think, yeah, this year's not the same. You know, the Cavs, you know, off that championship win, they're gonna more easily take take care of them. So yeah, Cavs in five. We're good. Okay, so just going back to the last series against Milwaukee, they were having offensive struggles in some games, and Milwaukee's defense really stepped it up. But the Raptors adapted, and their defense stepped up as well. It became a very defense, physical-minded series. It was a pretty fun series to watch, in my opinion. Not it was. That, you know, it really was. It went against the norm of today's NBA, but it was fun to watch. Something old school. Now, this new lineup with Ibaka and Powell, it's a lot more athletic. And I think that plays in the Raptors' advantage. But the Raptors are, you know, I think their identity themselves, are they like a good offensive team or a good defensive team? Sometimes you don't really know what to expect with the Raptors. That's the problem. I mean, who are they? What is their identity? What's their role? But I think that's actually an advantage. They have been able to adapt. At one point in the, in the regular season, they were a very strong offensive team. And now you see them being a very strong defensive team. So I don't know how they do it, but I think Cleveland still wins. But I think the Cavs win in seven. I think the Raptors, ad, ad, the Raptors adapt. And I think that plays to their advantage. And I think the Raptors will find a way to win three games. Hmm, that's that's actually a very interesting way to put it. I got Cavs in five. I just don't think the Raptors can get away with the kind of stuff they got away with in the Bucks series. I think the Bucks' youth and overall inexperience in the playoffs really played into the Raptors' hands, especially in game four and game six as well. And I, I really think that uh, if the Raptors want to win this series, they're going to have to turn on that offensive identity. And really, they're really going to have to exploit the Cavs, the Cavaliers' defense, because that that is really how they're going to win the series. Because I don't see how they can stop the Cavs' three-point shooters, right? Because that's the strength of their team. Yes, right. that's a good point. And like I said, you know, I don't even know myself exactly how they're going to do it. But I think the Raptors, given that they lack a certain identity, but that they can kind of adapt several kinds of identities, I think that plays to their advantage. I think we can see a kind of Raptors team that plays. Well, with the Cavs, I think we can see it. Do you see Abaka starting? I think he should. I think it's a more athletic lineup. It definitely plays to their advantage with Powell and Ibaka in the starting lineup. I think you make an interesting point that they don't like. They're not unsure about their identity. They can change, but the Cavs like are, are a team that knows their identity. They play around LeBron. They they added a crap ton of shooters this year. Adding you know, they have like Kyle Korver who's a new player. They added, added a, you know, a lot of, lot of. They have a lot of pieces I can shoot. I think because of that, 
you know that lineup with LeBron and surrounding him with Love, shooters, those yeah. four shooters, very yeah. very dangerous. Yeah. I think the only thing with the Cavs this season has been their defense, which even in, against the Pacers was Not pretty good. below par for Not a playoff good. team. If this was the last year's Cavs, I would say Cavs in five too. But this is not the last year Cavs. Their defense has gone a couple notches below what their defense should be. That's why I think Raptors can win three games. We'll see. Okay, so uh, without further ado, let's go on to the postmortem series. All right. Okay, and first up on the postmortem series, I'm going to be talking about the Knicks and the Kings, and uh, Varun's going to be talking about. Mavs and Hornets. Mavs and Hornets. Okay, so without further ado, let's go on to the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks finished 31 and 51 in the regular season. Uh, before the season, they traded for Derrick Rose in, uh, I, I want to call it a really weird move. They were trying to build around Carmelo Anthony. According to Phil Jackson the, in the press conference after the season, they were trying to build around Carmelo Anthony, which I found sort of weird that you would add Derrick Rose to that mix. But anyways, they really paid for it. And they were the seventh worst re- team in the NBA, deservedly so. Had a lot, of, a lot of drama in season from Charles Oakley to Phil Jackson tweeting about Carmelo Anthony's status on the team. And just a really bad situation to be around. Uh, going into the offseason, obviously, Phil Jackson made it clear they want to trade Carmelo Anthony. But also, their franchise player, Christoph Porzingis, is not happy. And he's making it very clear through subsequent interviews that he wants to win. And he feels that New York is not building a, a winning culture. How big of a mess are the Knicks in? Boy, I got to tell you, I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand the Knicks. I mean, that owner, seriously, that owner is the cause of all the problems. They, I mean, that's what sucks. When the owner is the cause of the problems, your team can't really change for the better, right? And I think until the owner goes, these Knicks are going to be your usual, like, street ball, college basketball Knicks uh, uh the situation is yeah Knicks. i don't know they're, they're not really an nba team in my opinion they're not <laughs> that good they they brought on a lot of uh t- talent from like 2013 or 2012 like their roster Derek rose joe kim noah these are like the like the 2012 guys right that's what they were good. Team, basically. yeah exactly and they thought they could make a good team out of it they they clearly did not but that's you know that's the knicks jeff yeah dolan it's unrealistic for him to just they can't you know kick off kick off the owner like they can't fire a gm right but uh i think dolan actually made the right move of getting someone in charge of the basketball and like leaving that alone in phil jackson but phil jackson was the wrong freaking guy yeah but if if he had hired someone you know another another gm that's competent like a I can't really think of many right now. I think it's Phil Jackson is the VP of basketball operations or something like that. And yeah. Steve Mills is the GM or something like that. Yeah. But it, whatever it is, it's not working. Yeah. And I th- but I think the Knicks have a high draft pick. So uh, we'll see where they go with that. I, I, yeah, I that's the thing, they right? They go anywhere. They're slotted in that. They're in that seventh slot. They're in a spot where they can't really get a superstar. But at the same time, they're not making the playoffs. They're in that no man's land, which yeah. very dangerous. Yeah. Mediocrity. So, I mean, as far as the Knicks go, I'm not really sure if I, I would trust Phil Jackson at this point to rebuild for the future, even though that's clearly what he wants to do. I don't know if he has the chops to do it. So I guess we'll see about the Knicks and what they do with Carmelo Anthony. That would be the number one storyline, I think. So let's go on to the Sacramento Kings. Obviously, they finished 32-50. and 50. They were competing for the eighth seed, actually, before trading away DeMarcus Cousins in one of the most 
questionable trades of the year, I would think. Uh, trading him to the New Orleans Pelicans for what I think is 30% of his actual value. And, yeah, and, and, a, yeah, 40 cents to 30 cents on the dollar, yeah. Yeah, and question, is there are a lot of questions about who is actually calling the shots there. Is it Vlade Divac? Is it Vivek Ranadive? Is it somebody else that we don't know about? Nobody knows. And it's creating a lot of confusion. There are rumors out there about Sam Hinkie uh, being considered to be the G-Man. I think that would actually be the best move for the Kings to actually like rip it all up and start over and build slowly towards the future. But he, Vivek came out and said that that's not happening, which I don't understand. And I don't understand Vivek. And yeah, they have two drop, draft picks in the top 10 this year, though, which... Um, I guess could be uh, good towards rebuilding for the future, but they have been given the, given this opportunity multiple times over the past decade, and they have not taken advantage of it. Is the Kings man are the Kings management going to finally turn it around, or are they making it impossible on themselves to build a re- build a team? Well, Kings need a new management. That's 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 pretty obvious based on the moves that Vlade has made. The things that came out based on how the trade with the, the Pelicans went down is really bad. It was pretty much because the All-Star game was at New Orleans. You know, Vladi was there already, so he had a chance to talk to the, the GM of the Pelicans and make that deal happen. Uh, it, you know, if the All-Star game had been somewhere in another city, if it had been the Lakers, maybe DeMarcus would be in the Lakers right now. So it's just like you can't let those type of things influence you. You can't be a lazy, lazy uh, GM or or president of basketball operations. So, they need someone else for sure. Um, and, but I think that the general sentiment around the the the, um, the uh, Kings fans is is, a, is more positive that they got rid of Demarcus and they have these picks, and they're finally like rebuilding because Demarcus was such a huge headache for the Kings fans and. You know, it's time to start new. Well, Buddy Hill is probably not the piece, but we'll see. I get that Demarcus was a distraction. I guess I get I get that you needed to get rid of him, but I still don't like that trade. I do not oh, like yeah. the value that they got for that trade. Oh, yeah. I com- definitely very. Agree. And they traded him on Sunday when the trade deadline's on Thursday, and you have chan- a chance to maneuver, negotiate, get a better deal. But it just shows Vlade Divac, yeah, inexperience okay. as a general manager. The Kings have a couple of bright spots, believe it or not. Buddy Heald played well. I think he actually played well. The guy, uh, Vivek, thought, thinks he's the next Steph Curry. Does he shoot like Steph and he's a big, big like Clay? Can we say that? No, but you know, we'll, we'll see how good he becomes. And, and the other rookie, Scal, uh, Scal from Kentucky, who was going to be a high draft pick, but he fell out of favor and he was a, uh, I think he, they took him in the, 30, in the late 20s. Late, like yeah, was somewhere near the draft. end of the first round. Yeah. He played well. And they have two um, picks in the top 10. But, you know, like you said, Guru, does it really matter? Their culture is so toxic. Their owner is so so stupid. He thinks he's like the smartest guy in the world, and he's such an idiot, right? He's like, oh, yeah, I know how to build an NBA team, blah, 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 blah. And then you got Vlade Divac, who is like the laziest GM in the NBA. He doesn't even go out and scout players on his own. Have you heard Every of Phil G- Jackson? Phil Jackson still goes out and scouts <laughs> players, though. There's a difference there. He has, as bad as Phil Jackson is, he still does the work. Vlade Divac, he's like, like sits in his office all day, probably eats chips and tells the scouts, oh, what are you doing today? What are you doing today? Go out, go to Europe and scout this guy for me. I'm not coming. I mean, he, he doesn't put in any work. So once again, we talked about owners and bad owners. I think the Kings, I don't know if they ever take the real step forward into being a playoff team for as long as Vivek is there or unless Vivek 
sets his ego aside and lets the right people control the team. And listen, we give Vivek all the credit in the world for building a new arena in Sacramento. That's a pretty big accomplishment given that given their failure in past years to do that. That that should be he should get credit for that. However, that success will only last a couple of years if he doesn't turn this thing around. If if he doesn't turn this thing around, you'll start hearing the shareholders of the Kings revolt and one of the shareholders will get the majority stake and Vivek's tenure as majority owner will be done. And I think it's heading towards that path. Well, yeah, but I think Vivek, at least as an owner, he's a pretty personable. He talks to the fans. He, he tries to, you know, get, get, you know, tries to get the fans feedback. He's been, you know, messing up pretty badly. But he's no Dolan, he, for, by all means. He actually try, wants, you can feel that he actually wants the Kings to kind of be successful. Uh, he cares more so than Dolan does. And I actually like him more as an owner than Dolan. But that's kind of comparing, you know. I, I do think he's better than Dolan. He wants the Kings to succeed, but he wants to be known as the guy who did it. That's he true. wants to be in control. His ego, yeah. Yes. It's his, if he puts his ego aside and brings in the right people for the job, then the Kings succeed. That's what the owner has to do. He's got to step aside and let the right people control the franchise. Until he does that, the Kings are stuck in this position of getting high lottery picks and trying to find the next great players. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, even even if they hire like the greatest GM, even they hire Hinky, if he doesn't exactly. get out of the way, it's it's going to be the same. I, I I agree with that. Even thing. if they hire RC Buford from San Antonio, things won't change that much. Yeah. Yeah, and the best owners in the league, if you really look at it are really hands-off from a basketball perspective. Exactly. You never hear about the owners of the Celtics, or the Spurs, or the Warriors. You don't, the you don't hear about the Heat. Yeah. yeah. You don't hear about these guys, right? Actually, you do hear about the Warriors owner calling them. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, light but, year, we're light years away. Yes. But that's after he let the GM do the work. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay, so I guess we talked a lot about the Kings and Maroon. Um, okay. <laughs> Dallas Mavericks. Finally, no more Kings and Knicks. That was like the worst two franchises. Yeah, ever. they 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 got a lot of similarities. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas Mavericks. Mark Cuban. I think he likes mediocrity. I mean, this Dallas team since their uh, finals win in 2011, they've been a pretty mediocre team. Haven't been able to accomplish that much. This season they started off pretty bad, but Mark Cuban says no. This is the playoff team. They made a playoff push late in the season but they didn't make it so you know dallas i mean where do they go what's the direction they take you know they got some young players who stepped up this season the brother of steph seth curry yogi ferrell a rookie came out of nowhere he played pretty well norland's noel who they traded for he played pretty well too got some good young players but then again is mark cuban going to keep looking for free agents does he want to keep signing big free agents and trying to keep a team that is stuck in the lower division, the lower half of the West. I mean, I don't know what he wants to do with the team. Harrison Barnes, who he signed to a huge contract. He showed some promise for a little bit. For a little bit. But is he an all-star? I don't think he's going to be an all-star. I think Harrison Barnes is that guy who just misses the all-star level. Just below it. Harrison Barnes, to me, is like a number three option, I think, at best. I don't think he can be a number two option. During his tenure, during Mark Cuban's tenure in Dallas, he's always tried to turn Dallas into this glamorous free agent destination. Yes. We've seen it over the last couple of years. He's trying. He was trying to take advantage of Dirk Nowitzki entering the last years of his prime, final years of his prime, and he was trying to acquire guys like every year. And 
every year he gets denied. DeAndre Jordan was the worst of that, right? Yes. And I think the biggest question for Dallas, Dirk Nowitzki. So he says he's coming back. He's got a $25 million team option for next year. Now, Mark Cuban and Dirk have said that they will only use it if Mark Cuban can get another big free agent onto the team. So if they can't sign a big free agent, then Dirk will accept the team option for next year. If they can get a big free agent, Dirk will renegotiate his contract. But is this the right way to go, guys? Mark Cuban, again, going for big free agents. I think Dirk has to be like the, either the worst starter or the second worst starter in your starting lineup before you really think that you're a, like a playoff team, right? At, at this level. I mean, Dirk is not the Dirk that he used to be. And then I, I guess yes. that's the point I'm trying to make. That I don't think you can make that sort of a deal anymore with Dirk. I think, yeah, Dirk right now in his career is kind of like what Joe Johnson is to the Utah, Utah Jazz. Jazz. You, have you guys seen Joe Johnson? He was great. Insane. He, can, he just give him the ball and he can score from like the weirdest angles of the weirdest Still shots. a great ISO player. That's kind of like what Dirk is. You know, give him the ball, he'll find a way to get the bucket in. You know, even if an awkward, toughly guarded shot. Um, but is this the right way to go? For, if you're Mark Cuban, okay, Jeff, you're in charge of the Mavs. You go on and get big free agents again. So they got 22 million cap space. And if Dirk declines a team option or he renegotiates that, they have a lot more cap space to work with. But do you go that route? Do you sign free agents, big ones? Um, well, it, goes, it depends on what free agent you get. Like every year, he's, he, doesn't, he strikes out on the big free agent. I think it's up for Harrison Barnes, which actually I like as a, as a like I like over Chandler Parsons, which is who they had yes, last I year. Yes, I do. I like him over and Parsons. But I, like, I, I like anybody over Chandler Parsons. Exactly, exactly. But they gave him a lot of money, max contract. Yeah, well, I, he's only 24, you know, he, he'll get better. It's true. his first yes. year having like big minutes as like a, you know, more as quote unquote first option. Um, I think he's only going to go up from there. And his personality is like decent. He's not like, a, he's not like a Paul George going to like say crap about your teammates. You know? Don't get me wrong. He's a great guy. I'm sure he's a great guy. But if Dallas wants to make him the number one option, I think that's the wrong way to go. That's my, that's what I'm saying there. I don't think Harrison Barnes has that potential. But does he have like number one option in max contract isn't necessarily this it goes hand in hand. Yes, but but yeah. don't you think Mark Cuban wants to make him a number one option? I mean, you look at the team, he's probably number one option there. I don't think you can use he, the salary to dictate that. Yeah, that's what no, I'm no, saying. No, no, I'm saying uh, going off their current roster, you would say Harrison Barnes is their number one well, option. Well, but they're right looking now. for a free agent for a reason. They they probably know he's not But is it likely. the right way to go? I mean, doing this every year again and again signing big free agents trying to make a team that will compete personally me i, w I would love to like get dirk in a good situation and just start over i i understand yes. mark's cuban mark cuban's feelings for dirk i under i totally understand but me personally i would look to trade dirk to a contending team or or get dirk in a good situation and just and just start all over again and get a high draft pick and get cornerstones in that way because it doesn't look like Dallas can attract free agents. Yeah, I think they're also okay with rebuilding, which is was a thing. Um Dirk has publicly said that if, you know, if they're going to rebuild, you know, I'm more than happy, you know, whatever, I'm going to be here. I'm going to I'm going to mentor the young. He's like Dallas for life. So, yeah, I, I yeah, like I, I think it would go going in the rebuilding route would be better. And I yes. think I think Barnes, you know, does have the potential. You know, don't don't sleep on him. He's only 24. Like Jimmy Butler wasn't an All Star until he was, I think, 26, 27. And so yeah, he definitely has a chance. And you just gotta, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, Dallas has a league on their young players. Seth, Seth Curry, 
Yogi Ferrell, Yogi Noel, Harrison Barnes. Noel, no, I'm yeah. really excited about Noel's future. Yes. If he can, if he can be the second option on the Mavs, I mean, like, watch out for them. Exactly. He's a defensive beast. He's steals, a good, yeah. blocks, and blocks. He gets, he has over 1.5 steals, right? And a, and a very much improved offensive game. Yeah. And he fits what you want in a big man today. He's, he's the perfect fit for he's Dallas. Pick and roll. Yeah. yeah. All right, Charlotte Hornets, another team stuck in mediocrity. Yeah. Michael Jordan, the owner. I mean, what is he looking for in the Charlotte Hornets? They're, they've always been defense-oriented. I understand that. Steve Clifford prides defense, and I like that. But they don't have enough scoring. And you know what? They have so much money committed to so many mediocre players. Miles Plumley, Nicholas Batum, who's getting more than $20 million a year. Marvin Williams. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, who can't shoot to save his life. Jeremy Lamb. I mean, so many, so much money committed to so many mediocre players. Their only bright spot is Kemba Walker. Good point guard this year. Season past, he wasn't very good, but this season, he all played star. pretty well. He was an all star. Yeah, I admit he played pretty well. But given all that they have right now, I think they need a fresh start. I think they have to fire Rich Cho. I think Michael Jordan has to become that winner. He was a winner as a player, he needs to be a winner as an owner. He needs to start making winning moves. He hasn't made any winning moves in a while. I think that's where it starts. I mean, they have negative cap space coming in. They actually, they, so they can't sign any good players, right? Yeah. They can't improve their team at all. If you look at the Hornets right now, they're, they're sort of stuck in a rut. They, they can't really rebuild because they have so many players on contract. And they can't really improve because, as you said, I mean, because of the cap space and yeah, all that it, money. Their, their, their seasons are basically based on how their players play during that season. I mean, last year they were the four seed, a pretty good story. This year they're a 10 seed. And, and, and that's pretty much, I think, how it's going to go for a couple of years, unless they can get a good trade or, you know, like get a sleeper draft pick or something, someone like that. Jeff, yeah. I'm really confused about the Hornets, really. Like looking at the roster, I really don't see a cornerstone yeah i agree they've like you guys said he's they're kind of stuck in the middle ground and yeah it's it's really troubling like how they were able they just like slid down from the playoff standings this year especially with the way kembo was playing like i had really high hopes for that team but uh i guess they couldn't do it um but yeah i just we'll see we'll it really depends on in those type of situations depends on who they draft and who, how they develop those young players. At That's the time. thing, you know, Charlotte has no, I'm like, you know, Dallas has some young players to look forward to. Who does Charlotte have? They got nobody. They got like Jeremy Lamb, right? Jeremy Lamb is not that well, great. He's not gonna be a great player, right? I but mean, let's Varun, be honest. Like putting a silver lining on this argument, I think you brought up in the past that they were the only non-playoff team with a positive point differential. Yes. Right. So, I guess they can make the playoffs next year. They could, yeah. I mean, I mean it's possible. I mean, right? it's possible, but how far are you going to go in the playoffs, even even if you do? Exactly. Make that's it, that's right? the point. So I think if there's one team out of the teams, you know, Dallas, Charlotte, there's a few teams that suck in mediocrity. Charlotte has to look for a completely new fresh start. They have to tear everything down. Nick, how are you going to do it? That's the thing. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how you would do it, but I think they got to get rid of a lot of players on their roster. Miles Plumley, Marvin Williams, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. I mean, he can't shoot threes. They, they don't want to put him at power forward. They want to keep him there at small forward. It's not a great fit. I think they got to get rid of a lot of those players. And Nick Batum again. at shooting guard is a disaster. Yeah. I, Nick he, Batum, can't hand, he can't handle the ball. He's, you know, he's got some skill, but he's not worth $20 million a year. That's the thing. I think they... The Charlotte has to, you know, retool the roster. Batum's best year was with the Blazers when yeah. he was a catch and shoot. 
three and D player, and he wasn't. He was asked to do more this year, and that's I, that's where I felt that he really faltered. Yeah. So you, you guys think that they should make some trades? You know, get some draft picks in the future or something like that. Make trades. They got to fire Rich Cho. I don't think he's done a good job at all. For, you start off with that. My, if you're Michael Jordan, you fire Rich Cho and you bring in some winning GMs. Someone who's got there's the not mentality really that of a many, winner. There's not really winning GMs. Maybe you bring there. in Sam Hinkie. He knows how to rebuild. Sam Hinkie is still Hinkie, under maybe. contract right now, but. Yeah, really? if, if you want to, if oh, you want to wow. lead the Which, tank, why is if you want to lead that tank train, who better than Sam Hinkie? But but why not? <laughs> Again, I mean, you you really got to. I mean, you've got like, look at the future of Charlotte. Who, who could they look to in their future? What is the silver lining there in Charlotte? Kemba Walker is amazing. I mean, there's no he's silver. A, he's amazing, but he's not like a, a superstar. He's not someone you can lean to for the future. I mean, he's only 26. You know. He's gonna have at least a six. I, I think the point that Bruno is trying to make is he cannot be the best player on your team. Yes. If he's the best player on your team, I think you're in a little trouble. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. And so Charlotte, fire the GM, fire some of those front office people, restart all over. They have to restart all over. I wish they could restart, but I just don't know if they it's can't. possible. Yeah, they can't. No one wants to. No one wants Batum at twenty million. No one wants Martin Williams at the salary he's making. No one wants Michael Kidd Gilchrist at that money. That's a problem. No one's going to trade for them. And that right. is a Hornets. Michael Jordan has got to do something, but we'll see. Uh, okay. I, I, I like the Hornets better than, than... I think they can make the playoffs next year. I think this year was a little bit of a fluke. Um, but I don't know. I don't know about blowing up. It's, it's hard to be the number one team, you know? So, I mean, it, it's kind of in the West. East is kind of like, if you're not the top four team, you got to rebuild. So, I guess that's, that's where you guys are coming from, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you don't have like a championship roster, I think you have to blow it up. Charlotte has, has nothing close to a championship roster. If, if, if you look at Milwaukee, I mean, they were number 60, but they've got so much, they've got such a bright future. So many young players, so many potential. But I guess it doesn't really stars. pan out that way, right? Milwaukee had to wait a long time. But they did go the, through the rebuild. They did. They went through the rebuild. Yes. They went through really well. Yes. Uh, and that's the point. Charlotte has to go through a rebuild. That's my point. All right. Okay. Guru, okay. Go ahead. Uh, I have nothing to add to this. You have nothing to add? I thought you no. were going to close it out. I thought that was your job. It's okay, Guru. You can close it out. Okay, guys. So <laughs> that was your post-mortem series. And uh, that's all for this episode today. Any last points, guys? Last points. Um, I, I, final I, points? I thought I made my final points, but okay. I'm okay, done. guys. So until next week, we hope to see you again. See you. Goddamn. <laughs> Until next week, guys. All right. All right. All right. All right. See you guys. I'll see you guys again next week. This has been a fun podcast. I hope you get, hope to see you guys again.